0: Morning, church. Wow, that was a great uh, announcement segment. Wow, lots of stuff happening. I'm glad I'm part of this church. You guys are doing an awesome job. All right. Well, uh, you guys have all been wished, all the fathers have been wished, and so on and so forth. So, uh, this morning, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to uh, talk to the fathers uh, or preach about the fathers. You know, usually, you know, mothers get praised and they get, you know, woo, woo, woo and the Father's Day comes in. it's, wah, 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 You, you guys. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to preach what the Holy Spirit told me to preach. Is that okay? okay. Yeah, I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I'm starting a mini-series um, on repentance. And uh, I just want to let you know that today's message is to try and ensure that you make it to heaven and miss hell. Not that I have the power or the ability to do that, but I will provide you the knowledge and information so that you can do it. I mean, if I could do it for you, then Jesus could have done it for all of us. So uh, how many of you want to be sure of your salvation? Ooh, there's going to be a big altar call. (laughs) Should we try that one again? How many want to be sure? Okay. So, you know, um, the majority of Christians believe uh, that repentance means one of these three things to feel sorry about something that you did or failed to do, number two, to feel remorse about some act and to ask forgiveness for it. And thirdly, they feel that or think that repentance means to walk forward in the church and to formally accept Jesus and pray a prayer called the prayer of salvation. None of those are correct. Aren't you glad you came to church? So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand what true repentance is. Are we okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into that. So I want you to write some things down. I hope you brought something to write with. And the first thing I want you to write down is this. Repentance is required. Repentance is required. Repentance is an integral part of Christianity. So I have two questions for you. When is it required? Is it required never, ever, sometimes, often, regularly, as a lifestyle? And is it necessary to repent to become a Christian? It's a serious question. Because today the gospel is preached without repentance just receive Jesus just believe just pray this prayer and there's no repentance required that is what's being preached that is what the current gospel is now I don't want to hurt anybody here today it's not my plan in any way but I do want to preach the truth. So let's have a look at this. John the Baptist, when he started out, what was his message? Well, this guy, this group is ahead, but they've got the dean sitting there, so that's <laughs> probably what's going on. Matthew 3.1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John preached the only way into the kingdom of heaven was how? Repentance. Jesus preached repentance. He said repent. In Matthew 4 verse 17. From that time on Jesus began to preach. Everybody say began to preach. Began. Say it one more time. Began. What does began to preach mean? Started. Started. The beginning. He began to preach repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. So his very first sermon he preached was Repent. Repent. So he also taught them that the only way into the kingdom of God was through the door of repentance. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 2, something serious had happened. Two serious things had happened right there in Jerusalem. One of them was that Pilate had killed a bunch of Galileans and had taken their blood and mixed it with sacrifices. Another thing that happened is that the Tower of Siloam had fallen. And killed some of those there. And so the disciples were asking Jesus if these people who suffered like this were bad sinners. That I mean, God took them out. God judged them. And Jesus answered them in Luke 13 verse 2. He said, Do not think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. So the 18 that died when the tower fell on them and all of these that Pilate uh, persecuted, all of them, Jesus said, you see how they perished? You will perish as well unless you do what? Repent. So Jesus taught repentance was necessary to avoid perishing. And he obviously couldn't be talking about natural death because all of us are going to die naturally one day. So he couldn't have been talking about that. He is talking about the second death. When Jesus sent his disciples out, you might remember he called them together and he sent them out two by two. He said, I want you to go out and to preach. Do you remember that? Sent them out, cast out demons. Do you know what they preached? Have a look at Mark 6 and verse 12. And they went out and preached that people should repent. Well, why would they preach that? Oh, because their master did it. They just took one of his sermons. Well, Jesus preached this. He's our master, so we're going to preach it. So yes, they cast out demons. They healed the sick, but they preached. The message that they preached was repentance. Casting out of demons and healing the sick is not a message. It is the outworking of the power of the gospel. It's not a message. The message that they preached was repent. What was the very first message... That the Apostle Peter preached on the day the church of Jesus Christ was born, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem. Let's read it Acts chapter 2:36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this: God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Say, cut to the heart. How many sermons have you heard that cut you to the heart? If it's not a motivational sermon, you go somewhere else. Because after all, you've got to be boosted up, you've got to be picked up, you've got to be encouraged, you've got to go, woohoo, hoo woo-hoo, we can do this, but cut to the heart? No. Nah. No, nah, don't you do cutting me. <laughs> no, I'm going somewhere else. The very first sermon Peter preached, Cut them to the heart. Went to the very heart. Why did it cut them to the heart? Because he said to them, Jesus whom you crucified. Talk about getting in your face. Jesus whom you crucified. Hold on to your seats. Again, I am not yet to hurt anybody. But I need you to understand that you could have been standing in that crowd. Because you see, you did crucify him. It was your sin that sent Him to the cross. It was your waywardness from God that sent Him to the cross. The fact that He paid the price for your healing is secondary. Initially, it was that you were away from God, lost in sin. And you see, until we and every person gets cut to the heart for the fact that they crucified Jesus, that He died for them, in their place, they cannot be saved. They cannot be saved. Until you realize you're wrong, you can't get right. If you think you're right, and believe you're right, you're wrong. So Jesus, whom you crucified, both... Lord has made him both Christ, sorry, Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You see, the first thing when conviction hits your heart, genuinely hits your heart, and you feel cut to the heart, the first thing that should happen is you should say, what must I do? Because I can't live with this Pain. I can't live in this condition. I need to do something. Tell me what I must do. Do you remember when Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus and he knocked him off his horse? And Jesus spoke to him. The very first thing he said, what must I do? What must I do? Until you hear a message that cuts you to the heart and you say, What must I do? Then you haven't been touched yet by the gospel. A message from the pulpit that doesn't move you to do something was not a message at all. Because unless transformation takes place, all you got was information. And Peter replied, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus preached that forgiveness of sin and the receiving of the Holy Spirit was dependent upon repentance. You cannot be forgiven of sin until you've repented. There are people today who are attending church, good people, solid people, who think they're on their way to heaven and they think their sins are forgiven and they're mistaken. Why are they mistaken? Because they haven't repented. Knowing about Jesus, knowing about God, does not get you into heaven. Knowing that there's a hell does not uh, avoid or give you the escape or make you avoid going there. Knowledge doesn't save you. Knowledge doesn't change you that way. Listen carefully to me. It might be the most important message you ever hear. And I want to tell you this. I have preached before messages like this, and people have died within 24 hours after me preaching the message. I'm not saying that to scare you. But if you think that you've got a ticket on the rest of your life and you know exactly how long you're going to live, that's fine. That's fine. But we don't know. We don't know. We're not certain. We've had congregation members who sat here on a Sunday and dropped dead on a Tuesday. Thank God they were Bible school graduates. For no reason, just dropped dead on the street. We had people who sat here on a Sunday and were killed that week driving the car having been gambling and drinking at the casinos and killed everybody except one person in their car. Everyone else was killed. They sat here. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm going to tell you how important it is that you get a hold of this message that repentance is required if you want forgiveness of your sin. And if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, and you want to go to heaven and miss hell, repentance is required. It is necessary to repent, to become a Christian. You cannot become a Christian until you have repented. So what is repentance then? We're going to spend the rest of the day talking about what repentance is. You've got to find out what this is. What does it look like? First of all, repentance is not regret. And that might shock a lot of people. The feeling of remorse, of sorrow, of grief, of guilt, of regret, are the most common definitions given by Christians to define repentance. If you ask somebody, if you ask a Christian, what does it mean to repent? They probably say, well, it's to feel sorry for your sin." is to have grief about the sin, is to have remorse. And it's not. While that, is, that might be necessary, that is more of an emotion than what true repentance is about. It's not accurate. How do I know? Well, do you remember Judas Iscariot, the guy that um, betrayed Jesus? Remember he took the money back because he felt remorse when, they, when, they, when he saw what they were doing to Jesus, threw the money in the temple. Said he said he wept. And then what did he do? You know the Bible. What did he do? He hung himself. You see, that wasn't repentance. That was remorse for an action that he took and he couldn't live with himself. And so instead of repenting, and repentance was all over the Old Testament, repentance he had heard from John the Baptist, repentance he had heard from Jesus, he had preached repentance. He was one of the 12 that got sent out. He knew what repentance was. He just didn't repent. He was remorseful and he hung himself. Remorse, feeling of guilt, sorrow, is not repentance. There are emotions that can be misinterpreted very easily as repentance you see do not accept a fleeting sorrow for actions or your actions as repentance now hear me if you do something that's wrong if if you uh, abuse your spouse Your children, if you committed adultery, if you do something, yeah, there's going to be remorse. There's going to be a sense of guilt. But that fleeting sorrow isn't repentance for the action. It is not what God requires. There's something more. So write this down. Write this down. True repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart. Did I not put that on the screen? Do we not have it? Thank you. True repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart that results in a change of behavior. True repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart. Change of how you think and a change of what you believe. That results in a changed behavior. Okay? Those are the proof of repentance. That's the proof. Changed mind, changed heart, changed behavior. That is the outward proof. The early church, this is in the book of Acts, all preached repentance. Let me give you one more scripture. In Acts 3 verse 19, repent repent. Then turn to God, so that your sins may be blotted out or wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So forgiveness of sin, your sins may be blotted out, the forgiveness of sin is predicated on two things. Number one, repent. Number two, turn to God. See that? How many see that? Do you see it's not just repent? And it's not just feeling sorrow or grief. It's a change of mind, change the way you believe, change your behavior, and turn to God that your sins might be wiped out, and then refreshing times will come from the Lord. See, there are so many people looking for refreshing times from the Lord. We lay hands on people so many times, I think they can go bald. And all they're looking for is refreshing times from God. But the problem is repentance is missing. And a true turning to God. Do you think we could warm the house up just a little? I'm really preaching hot here. And I'm cold. So I'm having a real problem staying on fire. Thank you. Thank you. It's like people pouring cold water on my parade. So repent and turn to God is necessary for forgiveness. See, we all want forgiveness. But do we all want to turn from our sin and turn to God? In the Old Testament, you read some of the Old Testament at least, or you've heard many stories about the Old Testament, how they repented there. They put on sackcloth, threw ash in the hair, right? I mean, these guys knew how to grovel. They tore down the... The, you know, the all the things, temples of Baal and all that kind of stuff that you know, the altars of Baal, they turn turn it upside down. Uh they fasted and they prayed. I mean, these guys, they got it down, they really went for it. Burnt offerings and just don't move, you'll get burnt. Anything gets thrown in the fire. It was a complete change of mind. You could say conversion. The whole nation under the king's leadership. Moved away from serving this God to serving God, Jehovah. Now in the New Testament, there is a Greek word that is used for the word repentance or repent that flows throughout the New Testament. And this is what the word is, metanomia. There it is, metanomia. Say, so, what does it mean? There is the definition of it. It means a complete, radical, and total change. Say Radical. Complete, not just half-hearted. Radical change. Radical change. So, in other words, Christianity demands a decision. That will produce radical transformation. Changing our thinking, changing in our believing, changing the way we live, changing in our behavior. Do you believe that? Yes, amen. So... Repentance then is to change. It is to change direction. It is to change course. It is to begin a new course. It is a complete alteration of the way you think, the way you believe, the way you view life, and your behavior. A complete radical change. So now, change on its own is not repentance. Why? Because repentance has to come first, and then there's the change. So if someone changes their behavior, it's not necessary indication that they've repented. But if you repent, you will change your behavior. I will never forget when I got born again and repented. I wept. I mean, I just wept and wept and wept and wept. I couldn't stop myself from crying. I just cried so, so hard. And the next week, everything in my life changed. Things that I wanted to do, I didn't want to do anymore. I just I lost interest in the things that were sinful that I used to do. I actually started to notice how beautiful flowers were and the birds flying around. I said, when did you guys come? When, where have you been? Do you know that one night in the first week that I got saved, I went to lay out in the park. It was about midnight. I went to lay out in the park, and I just lay on my back staring at the stars. And I was amazed. I was just looking at the stars and praising God. You would have thought I just got saved. I had... Such a different view and outlook. It was dramatic. It was just day to night, night to day, whatever way. Just dramatic change. So write this down. Repentance. It is a turning away from sin and a turning to God. Turning away from sin and turning to God. You see, believing that God exists doesn't make you a Christian. Because the devil believes that. The devil's seen God as Lucifer. But you see, many people, there are many people who believe in God and have a lifestyle that says different. I was on a board of a church and we sold the church to a homosexual church who had taken the Bible and made some changes in the Bible. They believed they were Christian. You think that's far-fetched. What is more far-fetched is that there are Christians who think homosexuality is okay. There are Christians who think abortion's okay. There are Christians who think that sex, out- sex outside of marriage is okay. So what's wrong with homosexuality then? Heterosexual sex outside of marriage is no different. They're not married. There are Christians who think pornography is okay. Yeah, they also think unforgiveness is okay. And not tithing is also okay. What what am I talking about? If you're going to have a radical change, you have to change your views, you have to change the way you think, you have to change your behavior, and you have to call sin, sin. You can't live like you used to live in the old way, in the old world, and think that that style is okay. To be a Christian. Well, I prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer. I'm good to go. To hell? Not to heaven. I would tell you seriously, praying that prayer might be the same as being inoculated from COVID. You still have to wear a mask afterwards. Because you don't know it's going to work. And you don't know how long it's going to work. The vaccination might wear off after six months. You'd have to get another one. That prayer might wear off after six months, especially when you get persecuted for being a Christian. I'm preaching better than you saying amen, but don't say amen now, say oh me. Real repentance is a decision to turn away from sin. To turn away from a lifestyle of sin, of living according to, to the flesh and the dictates of the flesh, to turn away from selfishness and to turn towards God and to begin to act like Jesus. And with your whole heart and your whole mind, be determined to follow Jesus. That's what repentance looks like. So what does repentance look like if you've repented? Well, I would say that you would become a a faithful church uh, attendee that we would expect to see you in church. Right. Hmm? Do you know how many people we pray for and go out and we never see them again? Yeah. We paid for over 250 people at the street fair. Right. Right. 250 converts. Uh-uh, uh-uh, not converts. Little prayers. Because none of them came to church. The prayer didn't work. If you've been converted, if you have truly repented and received Jesus, I would expect to see, guess what, a grateful heart? Something like, he saved me from hell. Jesus, thank you. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe we can be happy that we're missing hell and still be sad. Because the Bible says, be sad again and the Lord has saved again and be sad. No. So maybe, maybe true Christianity looks like that you pray during the day and talk to the one who saved you. Yeah. Maybe it looks like attending prayer meeting and praying. Yeah. Maybe it looks like praising. Yeah. You know? Maybe true repentance goes, I need to go to Bible school so I can find out about what I've learned, what, what's happening, this new world, this new life. I've got to dig in the water. Somebody's got to help me. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's an eager and a hungerness for more of God. Not as little as I can get by with. In other words, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's a participating sport. When you get converted, you become a participator. You know what it looks like? It looks like laying down your life and picking up your cross and following him. Jesus said it in Matthew 16, 24. He said, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Wow. Lay that flesh down. We sang a song today, Surrender. Yeah. I Surrender. But you know, many Christians sing that song but I Surrender. Like, okay, I'm surrendering, Lord. Give me more of you. Give me more of you. Where is he going to go and get more of him? He already gave you it all. So when you're surrendering, lay it down. It's you that's got to lay it down. And what have you got to lay down? Your own sinful life that you're carrying with you into Christianity. So Paul explains it this way. He says about the Christians in Thessalonica who had repented. He says in 1 Thessalonians 1.7, he said, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You turn from idols to serve the living and true God. So this was a complete radical change that was evident because they were idol worshippers and they turned to serve God. So the fruit of the change was that they were serving God. Not just saying, I'm a Christian. Then they were actually serving. They were in the church. They were serving. They were doing something in the church. I don't know what they were doing, but they were serving. They might have been ushers. They might have been in children's church. They might have been working the sound system, like Matt. They might have been playing in the band. They might have been counseling. They might have been doing something, but they were serving. They were serving. They were showing their gratitude by serving. They had turned away and they were serving. So you see, I come across many people, especially when I tell them I'm a pastor. And then they'll tell me, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian too, I'm a believer. And I go, yeah, well, that's, that's nice to know. So uh, it doesn't hold any water with me when somebody says, yeah, I'm a Christian or I'm born again. I don't really care. Because you see, I'm a fruit inspector. <laughs> Show me the fruit. Like the movie, Show Me the Money? Yeah. Show me the fruit. Don't tell me who you are, show me who you are. And that's all about show me, that's what it is. See, show me the evidence of the inward change by an outward change. Call yourself a Christian, wonderful. Now let me see the outward change. Let me see you loving somebody. Let me see you being generous. Let me see you serving. Let me see you being the last one out of the church picking up paper on the way out. After church service, there's stuff all over the floor. Things have been, you know, left on the floor. Sheep droppings everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) There has to be a dramatic outward change of behavior. Because this is what Paul said is the guarantee of repentance has occurred. See, true repentance is not merely about accepting a new philosophy right, right, yes. or changing churches uh-huh. or even denominations yeah, right. it didn't matter what denomination came from right. Right. you could have come from the baptist you could have come from methodist lutheran confused could have come from one of those <laughs> it doesn't really matter doesn't matter the question the question is is there a, has there been true repentance? And you see, a lot of times what happens, especially like if you go to India, they've got a million gods in India. So when you present Jesus as God, they say, oh yeah, yeah, I've got room for one more. I've already got a million, give me one more, no problem. And you know, in the Western world, it's starting to happen the same way. You, just, you add it to your life without changing your life. If there is no true transformation... If there's no change in behavior or a wholehearted desire to serve God out of gratitude and thankfulness for your conversion, then I doubt that true repentance has occurred. See, being born again and becoming a new creation is the only way to truly describe the event of repentance. Repentance. The Bible talks about being born again. Jesus spoke about it only one time. Only one time in the whole Bible. But we ask this question to everybody. Are you born again? Are you born again? It only appears one time. It's not taught in the New Testament by any of the apostles. But we want to know, are you born again? You know what I want to know? Are you truly a new creation? Have you repented? The only way to describe this really, is how a caterpillar can become a butterfly. How metamorphosis can take place, how a slug can turn into something with wings that flies around beautiful colors. Because we were all slugs. If you weren't a slug, you're not saved because you don't realize you were a slug. You have to know that you are a slug in order to change. And you've got to hate the fact that you were a slug. But when you become a butterfly, my goodness, how different you are. There is no comparison to what you used to look like in your old life. Can I have an amen Amen. from all the butterfly Christians? Once you have met Jesus, you can't live like you used to live in the world and be happy. You can't. If you're content to live like you did in the world, I can tell you this, you haven't met Jesus. If the world still turns you on, you haven't met the true life. Well, Pastor Henry, God loves me the way that I am. Of course he does. Of course he does. But he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Yeah? By all means, come to Jesus in the condition you're in. Don't try and change before you come. But when you come, God's going to change you. How many of you know that since you gave your life to Christ, that the Holy Ghost has been working on you doing some changes? Yeah, yeah, because he's busy developing you, changing you, transforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's at work in you, and it's going to happen. Your whole life it's going to happen. He's going to be working on changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. You never represented Jesus before you came, but now you must. You never looked like Jesus before you came, but now you must. You never acted like Jesus before you came, but now you must. That's the change. Mm -hmm. Does the change in your life identify you as a Christian, Christian? Has there been that change? Repentance is about change. So as a Christian, accept the change is yet to stay.